Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. No matter what's happening, the light goes on, right? 909 on KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you for tuning in today back here live in the Camping World of St. George Studios. Glad to be here. Um, glad to be anywhere at this point. Had a second trip to the hospital last week. Weird, weird deal. Out of the blue. Like the first time. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the lowdown before we have a couple of guests come on today. I'm going to give you the exact uh, lowdown what's happening. So uh, I have something called cellulitis in my leg. It's not celluloid. It's not cellulite, but it's cellulitis. Uh, it's an infection in the leg, and it's very, very um, persistent. It is very resilient, might be a better word. Uh, it does not like to go away. doesn't respond that well to antibiotics. Uh Left unchecked, it oftentimes will uh, mutate into, or not, I don't know if mutate's the right word, but segue into something they call sepsis, which is a poisoning of the blood. If enough poison gets in your blood, your organs start shutting down and it could eventually kill you. Uh, now, having said that, I never got to that point. I never got to the point where my organs were shutting down or anything like that. Thank goodness. Uh, but I do have this very, very persistent, resilient cellulitis in my leg. And uh, we get it, you know, under control with antibiotics and things. And, and uh, you feel like, okay, we're, we're, in, a good, we're in good shape now. We're going to get this uh, taken care of and, and uh, you know, we'll be all right. And then just like that, uh, it's back. And... Uh, it happened uh, last Wednesday night. Had a regular Wednesday. Great show last Wednesday. Uh, did all the work that I have to do when I get off of the air. Uh, was able to uh, go home. Uh, had a regular day with family. Uh, played pickleball with my friends on Wednesday night. And uh, even up till about maybe 10 o'clock at night, I was getting ready for bed. I felt fine. No, no, no issues. I really felt like there was nothing wrong with me. My leg was has been a little bit weird lately, but it hasn't hurt. And uh, it's been a little bit of excess swelling, and which is a little bit of the nature of the beast of, of sitting on this weird stool here on the radio sometimes. But uh, the bottom line is uh, I, I didn't see this coming. It, it, I felt fantastic. Uh, went to bed Wednesday night, maybe 11 o'clock, which is not enough sleep, I know. But that's about when I went to bed. And... By 12.30, I was receiving weirdest, weirdest thing I've ever felt in my life. I was getting major painful, extremely painful cramps in the front side or the hamstring area of the upper leg. Uh, never felt anything like it in my life. I've gotten cramps before. We've all gotten cramps, right? You get one in your calf or uh, wherever, not usually in your hamstring, upper body, upper thigh area. Uh, so it was very strange. Uh, the thing that made it worse was it was accompanied with fever and uh, with uh, extreme fever and uncontrollable shaking. And that's when my wife said, we're going to the hospital, period. And uh, the 
this time, instead of arguing with her, I was in such pain from those cramps that would not go away. I was like, all right, let's go. And the hardest part was actually getting to the car. Uh, and then uh, they kept me for, gosh, what, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then got out Sunday evening. And, um, yeah, it seems like things are under control, but I'm on heavy ant- antibiotics again. And, of course, people tell me, make sure you take your probiotics and a regular rotation with the antibiotics because you got to keep the good bacteria in your gut versus the bad bacteria. So that's where that's the stage I'm at right now. Unfortunately for me, and some people it doesn't happen, but for me, antibiotics make me extremely uh, ill. Uh, my my gastrointestinal tract is a wreck right now. Uh, so that's where we're at. I apologize for not being here the last few days on this show. I love doing my show. I love that you listen. I love that you, you know, that that uh, you give me feedback during the show. Uh, and uh, I will uh, try not to miss any more days. My goal is to never miss again. Well, maybe not never, but never miss uh, for this reason anyway. It's 9.13 on KDXU. Let's bring in Don Willie for just a couple of minutes. Don Willie with the Chamber of Commerce. Hi, Don. How are you? Hey, Andy. Sorry I'm late. Hey, no worries. Good to have you on the air. Gave me a chance to explain why I'd missed the last couple of days uh, of doing the uh, radio show, but uh, I'm back, and you're here, and it's good to hear you. Good to hear your voice. Now, I was reading a little more on something called the Element Awards that the Chamber of Commerce has put together, and, and if you you know if you are friends with the Chamber of Commerce, you've probably seen a face or two pop up on your Facebook feed over the last couple of weeks, probably more than that, uh, talking about the nominees for this year's Element Awards. Can you explain what it is and uh, why it's important? Yeah, first first of all, happy to have you on the mend. And uh, sorry you've, you've been going through that. You know, obviously we're, it just is, it's just everything, all these, I don't know. It just, it feels like we've got a whole new set of illnesses and new bugs and yeah. and new things that are, are coming around for everyone. Um, but I'm sorry it, it was so tough, and uh, we're glad that you're back and, and on the mend. And Thank you, you Don. Keep it that way. I, I really appreciate it. Um, about the Element Awards, though, this is, this is the women's event of Washington County, right? This is the, the who's who, um, and this is actually our second year of this event. So we started this last year as part of our women's initiative. Um, the Chamber, for the last few years, has had some sort of women's program um, but last year we did a, a pretty significant revamp, um, and a lot of the work that we we're doing in the past is done by other organizations in the state. And so we pulled those organizations together and we said, we're going to provide a comprehensive portfolio, essentially, for women in business and government uh, and community leadership. And that's kind of how we tailored uh, this initiative. And part of that to us is making sure that we recognize the amazing accomplishments of women in our community, right? It's one thing to provide the resources, but we also need to celebrate the leadership of those women and what they're doing to shift the paradigm and change the status quo. Uh, and so this is our second year of this event. Last year and this year, we've, we're awarding 15 women, so 30 now to date. Um, and it's happening on March 31st. We're almost sold out, which is awesome. Um, but this is just a phenomenal program to be able to recognize the accomplishments of these women. And this is in science and government, uh, in teaching, PTA, community foundations and nonprofits. I mean, it's amazing to see the nominations come in and then to see the breadth of the awardees 
um, that that we get to we have the privilege of selecting and honoring. So we invite the entire community to join us. I've had a question of can non-chamber members attend these types of events? And absolutely. In fact, you don't even have to be a chamber member to receive this award. So we don't have that exclusivity. We just want to recognize these amazing women and their accomplishments. And so we invite the entire community, whether you're a chamber member or not, we'd love to have you join the chamber, of course. Um, but whether or not, we would love to have um, anyone and everyone there to support these women, to celebrate their accomplishments, um, and really to look them up and to show uh, this, this dynamic shift in our community and our society as we elevate women in leadership. Some of the winners last year, names you're going to recognize and go, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Sherry Lou Staley-Tate, uh, Carmen Snow, uh, Donna McBean, Councilwoman Danielle Larkin, Donia Jessup, the mayor of uh, out there in Hilldale, um, and, and and so many more great women. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to slide anyone. There are 15 award winners, and there are going to be 15 more this year. What does this mean to the winners? What can they use this for? For, I mean, it's nice to have a little plaque or a trophy on the wall or whatever, but, but how can this in real time effectively affect their lives? Um, well, they get a beautiful custom trophy um, that's actually made by the same company that produces the Golden Globes. Um, and so we, we wanted to make sure it's very special for them to recognize that accomplishment. Uh, it's a flame. It looks like a flame, and it has rose gold, gold, and silver and really defines this award, right? When we talk about the element award, we're talking about women doing what they do best in their element. Um, and it really, the name actually even came from uh, an amazing local woman who we are, who is, is receiving the award this year. Um, it's Dr. Tasha Toy at Dixie State. Um, and it has a lot of meaning. We, we struggled with even the name of this award from the beginning. And I remember sitting uh, in the foyer of the chamber. It was our chamber staff, and she was there a little bit late from a meeting. We just said, we, we don't know what to call this. We were racking our brains and trying to figure this out. Um, and she was the one that talked about elements, the elements, um, you know, earth, wind, fire, um, and then translating that to empowering these women in their sphere, right, what they do best, not trying to fit them in a box, what they do best. Um, and so really for us, it's, we're, we're recognizing their work, and we hope that that recognition then elevates them in their element and whatever they're doing, right? So if they're in nonprofit leadership, we hope that it draws attention to the work they're doing because too often, um, and more so for women than men, um, they shy away from recognition. They shy away from that praise. Um, and so this gives us a chance to really shine a spotlight on them, and it empowers others in the community, right? And I think of my daughter specifically. I've got a seven-year-old daughter, and she's kind of the reason why I push so hard for this initiative um, and why it's so important and special to me is because I want my daughter to grow up in a world where there is no question about her capabilities, uh, her ability to perform, her ability to um, set and reach goals, um, and I, the world's obviously changing from when, you know, my mom and my grandma uh, were, were um, engaged in the workforce. Um, but I don't know if the, move, if the needle has moved enough. Um, and so for, for my daughter even, I want her to be able to look at these recipients and say, I want to be like them. I can be like them. And I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And so we have just, again, another phenomenal group of recipients this year. We hope that it elevates them. We hope that it gives, helps them get a promotion. Uh, we hope that it helps them get more funding for their nonprofit or, or really helps push out the mission of what they're doing and what they're accomplishing in the community. So we hope that it is that spotlight for each of them individually. 
but we hope that there's a broader impact in society um, that shifts that paradigm and that conversation about women in the workplace, women in leadership, uh, and the importance of having them at the table. And we need male allies to be able to, to make that happen. That's something that Pat Jones, the founder of the Women's Leadership Institute, talks a lot about is male allies uh, who are champions for this as well. I have a couple of daughters as well, Don, and I, I praise uh, praise your work there. And I think, you know, I had one daughter who was a Sterling Scholar. She actually was up for it in two different categories and chose English. Uh, but, you know, I think our young w- women need to maybe be reaffirmed that, you know, the sky's the limit. They They can go or be or do pretty much anything that they want to go or do or be, uh, just depending on how hard they want to work to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think these women that we're recognizing demonstrate that and they're, they're pushing, right? These, these uh, honorees this year, you can see that they have individually moved the needle in their own sphere. They're changing the world from where they stand. Um, and that's awesome. And that deserves every ounce of recognition we can possibly provide. By the way, the Element Award event is at the St. George Convention Center on March 31st. So what is that, two weeks from Monday? A week from Monday? Tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, two weeks from tomorrow. March 31st at the St. George Convention Center Ballroom. It is semi-formal, and you can buy tickets right now to attend the event. You ready? (laughs) Right. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah? Ready or not, it's coming, right? Ready or not, we've uh, we're, we're coming. It's happening. <laughs> very very cool. Um, you have some new uh, staff. I, Jordan Hess, who was a long time lost uh, well, a couple of years, I guess, has uh, done a really fine work for you. Uh, he now works with my wife over at Washington City. He's a new public affairs director over there. Uh, actually, a, a, a position they just barely created for him. So that's really cool. But Jordan's going to leave some big shoes to fill. He is, and she's going to have to keep him in line over there. Uh, we're yeah. we're going to miss Jordan. He was he's done a great job for us, and um, you know his his role has changed with the chamber over time. And and um, this this morning, we're actually sending out a an email to our members to uh, let them know about some additional changes that are happening. Things that we're really excited about because the chamber has evolved so much in the last two years um, that it really demands. Um, a different skill set as we move forward. And so we're excited. We announced this just a, about a week ago to bring Brad Buchanan in as our operating office. He actually was our previous players. So he's well now, probably more than anyone wants to know. Um, but he'll be joining our team as our COO full-time now. Now you cut, uh, and cut, then cut out just, for just a second there, Don. What's his name again? Uh, Brad Buchanan, sorry. Buchanan, Okay. Um, so he was our former board chair. And then we're just uh, announcing this morning Colette Cox, uh, who is joining our team as our director of member services. And she's been at Atwood Innovation Plaza. So she was actually uh, someone I pushed for when I left. I wanted to make sure that, you know, that facility was in a good, good place and there was the right advocate for small businesses and entrepreneurs. And Colette has over 20 years of experience working with small businesses, working with entrepreneurs, empowering them. Uh, teaching them the ropes and helping them be more successful. And so she'll uh, really head up member success for the chamber. So the member comes in, um, she's going to be the direct contact and, and champion to help them uh, really leverage every tool and resource the chamber offers and to help them uh, be successful. So uh, two world-class individuals that were just thrilled, they're going to be joining our team, um, and we'll continue to build that out over the next few months as well with some 
new positions uh, that will really strengthen our membership and strengthen the impact of the chamber in the community. All right. Welcome aboard to those two. And uh, again, thanks again for uh, you know your service for the time put in, especially Jordan. We'll be seeing Jordan around, I'm sure, as he uh, mm-hmm. takes on a new position there at Washington City. Uh, legislative session just ended up, uh, just finished. Uh, I know you were guys were keeping a close eye as the Chamber of Commerce on a couple of the bills. Uh, w- did anything stand out? Were you able to, to make any inroads on any of those? Yeah, we had um, we had a really successful session this year, and uh, it was interesting, right? This was really the first session that was fully in person. Um, there was a lot of energy on Capitol Hill. We were up there a couple times during the session, did a lot of remote advocacy as well. Um, and we tracked uh, quite a few bills. I mean, from our standpoint, um, there was one uh, theme that kept reemerging, and that's this um, balance of individual rights versus business rights. And as a Chamber of Commerce, you know, we engage like some of these issues. And, and it's interesting. Um, we've, we've actually had some elected officials who have, have said to us, like, why is the Chamber involved in this? Why does the Chamber get involved in politics? And, you know, I've always got to remind them, the Chamber does not and will not ever engage in politics, but we will engage in policy. And sometimes these are controversial, controversial issues and one of the voices that's missing from the conversation is the voice of businesses. Hmm. Um, and so it's been a really interesting dynamic. I mean, this is the first legislative session. I've done, oh gosh, 12, 13 legislative sessions now. Um, this is the first that I can really remember that deep conversation around individual versus business rights. Um, and really that comes to, I mean, let's, let's talk about HB 60, which is the vaccine uh, passport amendments bill. Um, and that was actually sponsored by Representative Brooks, and we had a lot of great conversation with him. And I just want to give him a, my personal shout-out and thanks because he was great to, to visit with us and visit with other chambers. Uh, every, every regional chamber across the state actually opposed the legislation, including our chamber, which is always hard to, to oppose one of your own delegation members' yeah. uh, legislation. But, but he was so great to, to talk with us and to walk us through logic and reasoning on that. The bill ultimately did not pass a session, and I know that he wants to, to bring it up um, again next session. Um, and, you know, we, we took a position um, against that bill uh, because we want businesses to be able to have the right to set their own policy and to let the free market decide whether that was right or wrong. Um, and so this legislation was, uh, restricted businesses' ability to, to make those decisions. But it, it empowered individual rights, right? And so as an individual, I probably would have said, yeah, I support this bill. But as an advocate for businesses and business rights, we oppose the bill. And so it puts us in that really, really strange spot as, as um, constituents, as, as residents, as citizens um, of, of how and where do we draw that line? Because it's a really careful balance um, to respect the business's ability to govern and set their own policy and to let the free market decide versus not infringing on individual rights and liberties. Um, and so that was a really tough one, the session. Ultimately, like I said, it, the bill failed, um, didn't have time to come to vote in the final session, final final day of the session. Uh, but then we also saw some great roads, uh, inroads in innovation um, and economic policy where, um, you know, HB 326 created a, a new center that will uh, generate innovation for issues in the community like air quality, water, um, and so that's exciting. And then a lot of wins on water, um, water policy and water regulation that we work closely with the Water Conservancy District and supported their efforts and their, their bills as well. Um, so really good, really big wins this session. I thought it was good overall. 
um, and we're looking forward to continuing to work with our, our delegation. We're going to have some new members of the delegation, um, which uh, we're going to miss Lowry and Brad, um, but excited to, to work with um, these new legislators as they're elected and, and to advocate on behalf of businesses. Very good. Sounded sound like really busy there. And I guess it's probably worth mentioning on that bill that you uh, talked about for a few minutes. Uh, you're not anti-vaccine. You're not pro-vaccine. You're, you're neutral on this. But the bill would have made it illegal for any business. To, am I getting that right? It made it illegal for any business to, to uh, require a vaccine to employ somebody. Yeah, employ and and to patron that business as well. Oh, so not wow. just not just on the employment side, but to be able to, to enter a business wouldn't be able to say, you know, we require you to show proof of vaccination or, or something like that. You know, and and again, I'm glad that you mentioned that because this has nothing to do with pro or anti-vaccine. Uh, the chamber doesn't care about that. I mean, we 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 want to we care about health and safety, of course. Um, but more importantly uh, than in this conversation is just that ability for a business to make that decision. Um, and so we didn't want, it, it's kind of that no shoes, no shirt, no service. Um, <laughs> how, how This is a slippery slope, right? Yeah. And, and how we, I mean, we're a, a dense Republican state, really, really, you know, pro-business state. Uh, and these are some of those topics where you, you do have to say, where where does this end, right? And are we going to get to the point, being such a pro-business state, where we tell businesses, hey, you have no rights. You have to serve anyone and everyone who enters your door, regardless of um, however they may, 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 may appear or whatever. And there's protected classes, which we respect that, and we understand the need for that. Um, but we do also want to make sure that there are some boundaries to protect those businesses so they can have that decision. So really, if you show up without any shoes and shirt and a business should be able to say, please, please step out and come back when you're dressed appropriately to, to patron our business. Um, we want to make sure that those businesses have that decision and then let the free market decide, because I guarantee the free market will punish and reward. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, they'll punish and reward those decisions. Um, and so, again, we advocate for that aspect. But, yeah, we're, we're not going to delve into the, the vaccine debacle um, that's a personal choice, um, but a business should be able to to have those have its its own ability to make those decisions too. Very well said. All right, thank you, Don. Got to run, but thanks for coming on, spending a little bit of your spring break time with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad you're on the mend and keep getting better. Okay. Very good. He's Don Welly, Chamber of Commerce. Thanks so much, Don. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back. I'm Andy. Just heard from Don Willie from the Chamber of Commerce. Thanks, Don, for coming on and spending a few minutes. He's off somewhere spring breaking with the family now. Spring breaking with the family is a little different than spring breaking when you're a single person. Yes. Yeah, uh, very much. You, you think, uh, you know, sipping uh, shots off of a girl's bikini <laughs> belly uh, or a wet T-shirt contest for guys uh, when you're single. When you're when you're married, it's like, uh, let's go to a state park and, and get a, a cabin. Something that'll wear the kids out and they'll sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck with them anyway. We might as well do something. For, no, right. I'm just kidding. I love my kids. But uh, Brett Pruitt is with me today from Good Rowdy's morning. Range and uh, and Firearms University. Hi, Brett. You doing all right? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks. Good. Good to have you here. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, we'll talk guns here for the next uh, 20 minutes or so on the Andy Griffin Show and yeah. uh, just kind of uh, 
talk about some of the statistics. Man, I had a conversation with a guy about a week ago about guns, uh, and he actually is a carrier, mm-hmm. he, he, a concealed carry guy. Uh, and I said, so do you have the bug? He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, it seems like once you start buying guns, you can't stop. <laughs> and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, how many guns do you have? He says, I just bought my 15th. Mm. I'm like, uh, I think you have the bug, man. <laughs> yeah. It's I, like anything else. You go get one tattoo, and then you got to have four or five, and yeah. you go buy one gun, and you got to get. That's true. So, yeah. like eating a bag of potato chips, really. You can't like, do one. Start eating one, you're like, I'm, I'm stuck. Might as well. I'm committed. Uh, I can't help it. Uh, I wanted to talk to you before we get really get into things too much. Uh, this is a weird one. This is like, who is your favorite child? But do you have a gun out there that you really love that is just maybe the funnest one to shoot when you go out to the range or, you know, Rowdy's range or, or out to the wilderness or, or wherever, is there one gun in particular? Like, I just love shooting this thing. Yes. And I, I kind of rediscovered it. Um, I had been in the, you know, the training realm for so long, it was all center fire pistols, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term, tactical pistols, that type stuff, carry pistols. And I forgot how fun it was just to go out with a rimfire pistol mm-hmm. and plank at soda cans and plastic now, bottles. Now explain to people what rimfire versus centerfire so means. Centerfire is it generally, and we're, we're speaking in generalities, centerfire cartridges are what most people would normally think of. If you look at the back of it and it's got that circle in it, that's the primer. Mm-hmm. That's a centerfire cartridge. So 9mm, 45, 308, 223, those are centerfire cartridges. And they're generally more powerful and and that's what Many of your carry guns are going to use in your hunting rifles and all of that. Rimfire cartridges uh, have been around the longest. They're they're easier to make, I suppose, or they just came first in the evolution of the self-contained cartridge. And there's no separate primer. The primer is a, a crimped rim. They put the priming compound in there, and so to fire it, you, you crush the rim. And so your common, your most common rimfire cartridge would be a twenty two long rifle, the one that everybody's familiar with. Sure. Um, Our kids grew up shooting rabbits right. with. Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know, when I say rimfire, that's what most people will have. And to go out and shoot a little twenty two long rifle, revolver, or pistol, um, just an absolute blast. I've got a Ruger. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, single six convertible, so it'll shoot twenty two long rifle or 22 magnum and um i took my brother-in-law out and we went shooting and just had an absolute blast Hmm. and so i think that's my new favorite just have fun go shoot it there's no kick not Um, not thinking about the ooda loop or any of that stuff you're just out there having fun just enjoying the moment and uh, it's, it's very accurate tons of fun to shoot so when I was a Boy Scout, uh, and that was a long, long time ago. We're talking about 30, 40, about 40 years ago. Okay. Uh, we went out rabbit hunting, I remember. And uh, I didn't own a gun, uh, and so they, they acquired one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, was there was maybe five or six of us. I was probably, I think I was 14 maybe. Uh, and everybody in the line had a, a twenty two semi-automatic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they see a rabbit, you know, (laughs) explosions of dirt everywhere. Uh, The gun they got for me was a single shot. Uh Uh, And to me, it was a really good study on a lot of different things. But 
I knew that I had basically, if, if some, you know, we would go through the field kind of in a long line flushing out whatever game there was yep. and, and, and then shooting at it when we found some. And I found that I valued so much my one shot mm-hmm. that I was way more accurate than them because, you know, it's, it's the old, the old uh, saying, uh, accuracy by volume, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, it was the opposite. I knew whatever it was we were shooting at, I had one shot at it. It was going to be gone after sure. my one shot. And so I took my time. I lined it up. I was very careful. And I feel like I was as accurate or more accurate than they were with their boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about, I have my own ideas on this, but maybe your ideas on the psychology behind that. Yeah, it's it's funny because this has been an argument in the the concealed carry world for quite a while. Do you go with nine or forty five capacity versus caliber, mm-hmm. so on and so forth? And um, a lot of people have said that the new pistols that hold seventeen, eighteen, nineteen rounds have caused a we call it a spray and pray effect. <laughs> so you just put a lot of lead in the air and pray that it hits the intended target. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas back when officers carried six shot revolvers, like you say, and it, it's a, a good explanation, they valued accuracy much more because they only had six rounds and then it took them, you know, 15 to 20 seconds to reload. Right. Um, and there is that psychological factor. Um, but it's more on the, the shooter than the capacity of their gun. Having more rounds in the gun means you have to reload less often, in my mind. True. Um, True. It doesn't mean you can just start spraying rounds out there because you've got a bunch of them in the gun, and that's ah, okay. You, accuracy still needs to be the number one value um, when shooting. So, I, I, yes, the psychological factor is there, but wise shooters will always value accuracy over spray and pray or just putting lead out there and hoping it hits what it hits. You know, the thing about it too, that people need to to think about a pistol is only accurate for a limited range. Yes. Uh, If somebody's 25 yards away, even the best pistol shooters are going to struggle. And, and so the thing I was thinking about is, is, you know, we're not talking long rifles. We're not talking, you know, a scope usually or, or anything like that. So you, you know, you get beyond five and ten yards, and maybe you can talk about distance a little bit. You get beyond that far, though, and and uh, boy, you're going to be you're going to value accuracy. Yes, and I guess volume as as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's two types of accuracy. There's mechanical accuracy, and then shooter accuracy. Sure. Most guns out there today are designed to shoot a four inch group at 25 yards or better. So at best, without human error in, in the equation. Yeah, you're, not, you're not shaking or right. you know, whatever. You're if, perfect. If we put it into a vice that mm-hmm. does not move, the best we can expect for out of that gun is four inches. So now we add in a human, and humans are not vices. They move. They, they're not perfect every single time. Right. We're going to induce more inaccuracy. And so what I've found is an average shooter with an average gun, so a four-inch gun at 25 yards, will be doing well to keep their shots on a 12-inch paper plate at 25 yards. Really well. And um, a lot of people think they're better shooters than they are. 
and I challenge them to put a target out at an honest 25 yards, hang a paper plate on it, and see how well they do. It's tougher than it looks. Um, it can be done. Don't get me wrong. But like you say, it's, it's not as easy as you think it is. As I got better and improved at my shooting, you know, we were shooting at, what, seven yards mm-hmm. or something yep. like that to start with. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm getting pretty good. <laughs> and then we bumped it back three yards. Yep. And I struggled a little, but I, I eventually figured it out. And then we bumped it back five more yards. Yep. And all of a sudden, Mr. Hotshot over here, I thought I was good. I wasn't so good anymore. Sure. And, it, you know, we call it the cone of deviation. So um, the closer you are to the front of the cone, the smaller your pattern is going to be because a one inch deviation at 10 yards is probably a third of an inch deviation at three yards. Right. And so the farther back you move the target, the more you're seeing the errors in your shooting, uh, what you're doing and not doing. And so 15 yards is a good, good place to, to put the target every now and then just to make sure that you're seeing okay, I'm, maybe I'm flinching just a little bit here. I'm pushing the gun off to the, the side a little bit. Um, and that cone of deviation, as you get further and further away from the muzzle of your gun, yes, your groups are going to grow in size. Uh, a friend of mine, DJ Tishner, who works here at the station, uh, was in that shooting out down in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what to call it, the, the country music festival, whatever it was. The guy was across the street on, you know, on the 30th floor of a, of a hotel. Sure. He normally is a, a concealed carry guy. Didn't have his gun with him that day. And he said, I was actually glad I didn't have it because there is nothing that I could have done with my handgun against a guy with a scope, several scoped rifles across the street on the 30th floor. Yeah. That would have, if anything, people would have gone after me for having a gun thinking <laughs> I was doing it. Sure. Yeah. And th- it's good that he gained that wisdom there. And, and I'm glad he recognize that um we say it over and over again just because you have a gun doesn't mean every problem is a gun problem yeah um, great point absolutely great point. all right i gotta get commercial break in when we come back i have some interesting statistics including one that uh, no pun intended blew me away yeah. uh, when it comes to gun ownership one that applies to you out there as well i think you'll be surprised too we'll get to that in just a minute i uh, Chance, real quickly, to mention Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local sponsor uh, or is a local loan officer who sponsors this show and has been for quite some time. Right now, 614 verified reviews online, and Joe Shoney is lighting it up with 4.9 out of 5 stars. Nope, 617. I actually shorted him a couple. 617 reviews online. Uh, on experience.com. One is Joe and his team are just amazing. They work hard and long hours. They're on top when it comes to communications. Uh, Joe helped us with a deal against other offers because our financing was stronger. Uh, great service and very prompt. Joe, Corey, and the whole team made the entire process so easy. It's Joe Shoney. They're all like this. Five star, five star, five star. It's phenomenal. And the reason is he cares about you. It's Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-590-6300. Joe Shoney is NMLS 121041. Did he really say that? It's the Andy Griffin Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 890, 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back. If you have a question for our expert today, his name is Brett Pruitt. Uh, and I would prefer you stick with firearms. If you call Brett and ask him how to bake a bunt cake, you're probably not going to get the answer you want necessarily. I would send them to my Aunt Shirley. There you go. 
everybody, and don't call me Shirley, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but if you have a question about firearms or self-protection or self-preservation, uh, any of that kind of stuff, uh, Brett would love to answer at 6735-890 today. Also, you could text into the program at 435-467-5842. Last time I was on the air, which was a week ago, uh, I finished the show, was feeling real great about my show. And I turned over to my phone, which I had not looked at the entire show, and I had like 10 texts. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that part of it. So anyway, but it, but again, if you want to be a part of the show, we would love to uh, love to have you on. Uh, this number, I, I mentioned it before the break, Brett, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the, the soft sell part of it, the easy part. Uh, four in 10 U.S. adults say they live in a household that has a gun somewhere mm-hmm. in the household. That's not surprising to me. In fact, I, I would have even said maybe five in 10. But, sure. but yeah, four, okay. That makes sense. Uh, males, 39% of males say they own a gun. Not in the house, but they actually own one themselves. Okay. Here's the number that got me. 22% of females in this national survey say they own a gun. That number, I was like, wait, what? One in five, more than one in five women own a gun right now? That that actually shocked me. Yeah, it's um, for the last at least decade, uh, women have been the fastest growing segment of gun owners. Um, and part of that's... A cultural change, part of that, women are, are taking responsibility for their own personal safety. Um, we host a group at the um, at the shop, Armed Women of America. They used to be TWAW, but now they're Armed Women of America. That's way simpler. Yes. Yeah. And um, that group just here locally has grown tremendously. They started out with, I think, eight or ten members, and now they're the second largest chapter in Utah. Um, and they have over 70 uh, members in that group. So um, women definitely um, have grown as gun owners uh, as far as numbers go. And it's it's a good thing to see. Given these numbers, Brett, should we finally be able to throw away the idea that if you own a gun, you're one of those nutso rednecks who gun toting wants to kill everybody has a tattoo and a, a bumper sticker on his on his window that says you touch my car i'm gonna shoot you i mean th- that that is the perception still even to this day when i tell people that i have guns they're like oh you're one of those huh? yeah yeah and unfortunately there are a few and i i do emphasize few gun owners that perpetuate that that myth mm-hmm. um you know the wife beater wearing beer swilling while they're Mm -hmm. out shooting in the desert shooting glass and yeah making a mess of the place um but those are far 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 fewer uh than the gun toting and it's fun owning a gun store because you see the demographic that comes into the gun store people think it's white males right uh between 30 and 50 that's absolutely not the case Hmm. um Females, males, I don't care what color or culture they want to claim. They come in, they own guns. Everybody from janitors to doctors to anesthesiologists, lawyers, car salesmen, bus drivers, teachers, um, you name it. So there's a there are politics around guns that really don't belong there, Um but unfortunately, they do. And I get it. If you grow up in Oakland, you probably see guns as a form of violence because of the gang activity and whatnot. 
Whereas if you grow up in Nebraska, um, guns are an everyday thing. Everybody has a gun in the home. They hunt. They um, use guns for self-protection because when you call 911, it might take them 45 minutes to get there. But I think as you see a, a growing portion of the population owning guns, for whatever reason, for sport, for hobby, for personal protection, uh, it seems to dispel that myth, and especially women, um, because there is no stereotype about women owning a gun other than don't mess with them. But um, yeah. So it's it's a good thing. And um, I'm a little surprised by that number as well. That That's pretty significant. You know, you know what's funny, though? As I was sitting there blown away, one in five, wow, that's... And I think, well, you know, my wife technically owns a gun. She doesn't carry. Yeah. Uh, but but she owns a gun, has access to a gun. It belongs to her. Uh, <clears throat> so maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe you say, well, you know what, actually makes sense. Yeah, and, and I would even venture to say the majority of gun owners don't carry. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it's not everybody feels the need to carry. And I'm not saying you have to carry a gun. I right. do. I recommend it. Because um, if you need it, it's the only tool that'll do. But, you know, it, it's uh, gun ownership is definitely uh, an American thing. I think it's here to stay. So, Well, and, and uh, again, who would in- ever invade America knowing right. that 40% of households have a gun? And that was the thing. I saw a news clip from, from Ukraine, and people were lined up. And they, they asked them what they were doing. Well, we're lining up to get gun permits so we can. And I'm thinking, wait, what? You need a permit. Your country is being invaded, and you still need a permit to get a gun? Wow. <laughs> How about wow. you just go get the gun? Yeah, um, there, there's a Russian tank the next yes. block over, but i got to hurry and get this paperwork done. Right. So. There, there's, a, there's a couple things. You know, fences make good neighbors. An armed society is a polite society. And, yes, I don't think you would ever see a land invasion into the United States because um, we don't. We're not going to stand in line to get a permit to then go get a gun. I, w- I want to get your take on this. We're down to about three minutes. Um, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, I don't know, but gun ownership or buying a gun was one of the top activities when COVID hit. When everything was shut down and everybody was kind of sequestered at home. Uh, it turns out that that was actually good for Rowdy's Range and other gun companies out there because People, uh, well, because why, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, again, a lot of people are starting to think about taking responsibility for their their own personal protection. It's The government is there for a reason. It's there to protect public property. It's there to keep the peace. But it's not there to protect every single individual. It can't possibly do that. It does right. not have enough resources to do that. We see that any time a disaster happens, the government will come in eventually, but even then it doesn't have enough resources to help. It relies heavily on the private sector. Um, and so I think people with COVID, um, with the Ukraine invasion, with things that are going on, people are starting to, you know, maybe stock a few cans of food yeah, more than they would have a year ago. Um, buy a gun and have it in the house just in case. And I'm not saying people are becoming paranoid. Um, we're not creating a culture of preppers. Um, Hope not. Well, no, I mean, I, I've always lived in a house that we had not a stockpile of food, 
But if there was a tornado and it wiped out the grocery store, you could get by for a couple of weeks without yeah, yeah. having to make a run. Yeah. So, and it, nobody viewed it as prepping. It was how you lived. That's a big question to ask you with only a minute left, but um, is any gun law uh, against the Constitution? I, I mean, do we, should there be any gun laws at all? And this is a, a difficult question. There's a lot of people out there that will say gun laws are against the Constitution. But what we see when we look back in the legal record is carrying guns in public has been regulated since the founding of the country. I know a lot of people say the Second Amendment is my concealed carry permit. Yeah. And that's great. I, we're getting more and more states on board with constitutional carry. But gun... Carrying a gun in public has been regulated since the founding of the country, and it, it's hard to argue against that. Um, and I don't mind that felons and domestic abusers can't own guns. So gun, reasonable gun laws, and that's where the argument comes in. Ooh, there's that word. Yeah, there's that reasonable. word. Um, Quite honestly, I think suppressors should be taken off the NFA list. You should be able to buy them just like any other gun. But, no, felons not owning guns, domestic abusers, that type stuff, I'm okay with that. He's Brett Pruitt, Rowdy's Range and Firearms University over there on Industrial, 610 Industrial. Brett, great job as always. Yes, thank you. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, I'm Andy Griffin. Great to be back. I'm alive. We'll talk to you tomorrow.